0: The Jeff Prom era in Purdue may be over, but he left the better job. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome into Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, Jeff Brom, done at Purdue. What does it mean, his legacy, that he leaves? And also, what kind of a job does he leave behind? Who are some of the top candidates to replace Brom as the leader of the Boilermakers? We're going to get into all of that here as we get through the show, everything surrounding that position. But before we do any of that, a reminder: you're listening to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every single day of the week. I'm your host Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports on Twitter, and you can follow the show wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter too at Locked On Big Ten. Purdue is without a football coach now as Jeff Brom decides to pick things up and head to Louisville take over a rebuilding Cardinals team in favor of a reigning Big Ten West champion Purdue team that still has, of course, the Citrus Bowl coming up against LSU. If you want to, by the way, hear my thoughts on at least a little bit of a first preview of that matchup between the Boilermakers and the Tigers, I hopped on with Locked On LSU and Caroline Fenton to talk a little bit about it over on her show. So you can check over on the Locked On LSU feed to get our first little preview of that matchup. Uh, Before we get into, of course, any of the bowl games, let's talk about Purdue's head coaching job. Jeff Brom's out, headed to Louisville. If you're wondering why does this happen now, uh, Jeff Brom is a Louisville alum. He played quarterback there. If you're a sports fan that goes back far enough, I'm not old enough to remember Jeff Brom playing football. But if you are old enough to know Jeff Brom playing football, he played at Louisville. It's his alma mater. He's been thought of to take this job potentially before, so now he ends up taking it and leaves this Purdue job open for whoever wants it. Uh, an interesting predicament that Purdue's going to be in here, having to transition into a new head coaching re- regime when it was just starting to see some of the success, but that's kind of the way things go in college football. As for Braum, he finishes 36-34 and 34 as the head coach of the Boilermakers, Uh, Built this team into one that was good in the last two seasons. Respectable. And even when this team wasn't all that good, it was respectable when Braun was there. Right off the bat, he got this team to bowl games. In 2018, the second year, he got the big win over Ohio State, so obviously that jump-started the growth at Purdue. But over the last two seasons especially, he's had this team as someone that week in and week out was at least ready to play on offense. And Aiden O'Connell has turned into quite a nice little Big Ten quarterback in that time as well. So a good job done by Jeff Brom. He leaves to go over again to his alma mater. But I think one of the most important things to note here is that just because Jeff Brom leaves Purdue to go to Louisville, that does not mean that Louisville is the better job here. Louisville's where Jeff Brown played football, but this is not a case where he's upgrading. Louisville is obviously a rebuilding team. It's a team in the ACC, which is, if you haven't noticed, not represented in this year's college football playoff. There's no Clemson in there, and nobody else has really been in that conversation except for like the Florida State's way back when. But as far as what he's going into, I would not say that Louisville's a better position. I'd say it's much, much worse, and I think that's the biggest thing you need to know if you're just a Big Ten fan looking into this. This was a move of passion for Jeff Brom. This was not a strategic upstep for him. So while Purdue fans may be upset about it, you can't blame him for making the move, and it's just a situation where you had a guy who was really given the one opportunity that you might think he would give up the better job for going to play or coach at the school where he played. So, again, can't blame Braum for going, but if you're a Purdue fan, I can understand why you're a little salty that it has to play out this way given that Purdue's a better job. Purdue's built itself into the better job when that was not always the case, for certain, when you compare Louisville and Purdue on the football field. Purdue's a better job now, and they still lost their head coach out to a team in Louisville that is passed up, if you ask me, in the last couple of years. But anywho, Jeff Broms out. Who is going to be in for Purdue? That's the next big big question because again, this team leaves behind quite an interesting job for somebody to take. I want to talk about that here on Locked On Big Ten as we continue along with the show. But before we do that, a reminder that Bet Online is the place to go for any of your online sports gambling needs. We talked about it at the beginning of the week. The odds for the national semifinal games and potential national championship matchups. Yes, they already have odds for if Ohio State will play Michigan in the national championship in January. That's the kind of stuff you're going to get over at BetOnline. Not only just the normal lines and games that you can pick from, but something a little bit extra as always from BetOnline and something that you're going to pique your interest with too, with how creative they can get with how many different props and lines they put out there, and also, of course, with the best mathematical ops to help you make money out there too. So head on over to BetOnline and see what I'm talking about right now. It's where you can get all of your bets in, get all the knowledge that you need to get those bets in, and make sure that whatever it is you want to bet on is available to bet on too. If you hear a line here on the show, like earlier in the week, you heard it courtesy of Bet Online. So if you want to bet alongside us or bet against us to fade us, you can head on over to Bet Online and get that done. It's Bet Online where the game starts. All right, let's talk about potential hires for Purdue because I think this job is a very, very interesting one. And I'll break that down a little bit as we go through the potential names here these are not just names that have popped into my head i'm not very good at that kind of stuff so what i do is i've gone through and just taken some of the first reaction articles to this move and really listed some of the names that i've been seeing get popped around and shown a couple of different times everything that i'm listing here all these names that i'm putting out there are names that i've seen in some sort of coaching candidates blog post or article from anywhere around the internet that at least I trust, and I've seen it at least a couple of times here when talking about this job. Let's start with an interesting candidate, Dino Babers from Syracuse. Uh, Purdue fans know Syracuse well. Handed handed Purdue a loss early in the season in the Carrier Dome that was an exciting, thrilling game all the way throughout. Kept Syracuse undefeated at the time, and again, handed Purdue an early loss. But Dino Babers has himself in a, a bit of a situation here where I think he may be ready to go. If you are someone who's followed the Orange, then you know that this is not the first good team that Dino Babers has put together at Syracuse. In 2018, that team went to the Camping World Bowl, ended up beating West Virginia, getting itself to 10 wins. A great season, by any standards, for Syracuse football since it's joined the ACC. But then after that, the Orange kind of fell off for a little bit. Had a few years where things were less than okay if you're trying to build a football program up from and have sustained success. And now in the last couple of years, or really just this year, because last year Syracuse was no good either. But this year, after being projected to end up at the bottom of the ACC, Syracuse starts out 6-0, and almost beats Clemson on the road in Death Valley. And then ends up falling off a little bit and falling off the wagon some at the end of the season. But Syracuse is going to a bowl game too. They'll play Minnesota in the pinstripe bowl. And Dino Babers has himself an opportunity, if you ask me, to really take a look at all of the options out there. And if a head coaching job like, say, Purdue pops up, I'm not sure that Dino doesn't jump on it. He's made a good team at Syracuse once before. He's tried to build that into sustained success in central New York. It is didn't work to a level where he was on the hot seat very much so last season and going into this year even. He needed to have a good season and he did. He exceeded expectations but I don't know how much he believes in the ability for the roster that he has to keep that going again and I don't know how much he wants to go in and have another situation where he's potentially fighting and coaching for his job again. So, well, he obviously doesn't get any more benefit of the doubt by taking a different job, I suppose. If you're looking to be opportunistic, and I'm Dito Babers, I'm sitting here thinking, hey, I chose to stay at Syracuse once before after building a good team up, and I couldn't really, really find a way to keep it going year after year. I got another team to get to a decent level, got them ranked, got them into the national conversation, and then we already started to see it kind of fall apart at the end of the season. Is he willing to stick it out with Syracuse again and see what happens here? Or do you take the opportunity to jump into the conference that's growing and becoming one of what will be a super conference in college sports? It's an interesting predicament for a guy like Dino Babers if the opportunity comes across his desk. Because you could argue that you stick with what works, but Babers has evidence to suggest that what's worked once and... He seemingly may have gotten a little bit lucky to make work again. He has evidence to suggest that it may not be able to sustain, and I don't know how much longer of a leash he got just because of the strong start this season, given how it ended. I mean, this team overachieved. There's no doubt about that, and he did a good coaching job. But there are definitely other things that people questioned about his play calling in the games when he was losing games too, and even when Syracuse was winning at times as well. But overall... I think that this may be just an opportunity that Dino Babers, if it's given to him, he sees and takes just because he knows that this may be the last chance that these opportunities come up. These chances to get a fresh slate and build a program from scratch. I don't know if that happens. I don't know if that's obviously what he's thinking. I don't know. I can't read the guy's mind. But if I was someone who was dealing with the situation Dino Babers has, that would be something I'd be considering. Jumping ship. And starting anew while the opportunity there. Because it was once there before, and this time last year, he was not getting the same kind of chances. Another name I've seen thrown around that I don't think makes a ton of sense is Pat Narduzzi. Now, he makes sense based on his history. He's been all over the Midwest. He's coached in the Big Ten, was a defensive coordinator under Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. So there's plenty of experience around there. He has the kind of background that would suggest he would have some success coaching in this area and region, but the contract doesn't really work for him. Pitt just won the ACC with Kenny Pickett last season. He got a big contract extension after that, it would be all the way through 2030 that his contract runs through. Purdue would have to spend a whole lot of money to bring in Pat Narduzzi. And for a guy who would be an established college football name for sure, I don't know if he's that kind of a big marquee name that Purdue would spend that kind of money on. I'm not sure if Purdue's trying to spend all that much money as like a Nebraska is when it hires Matt Rule Uh, Purdue's going to try and get the best that it can out here, but I'll talk to you more in a minute about where exactly that ceiling is. But for Pat Narduzzi, a guy who maybe makes sense as far as the actual resume, but with the situation he's in right now with Pitt, doesn't really seem to logistically work that he would come to Purdue. Another name from in-house, the co-defensive coordinator Mark Hagan coaches the defensive line as well, too. He's been the top guy that I have seen come out here as far as people already within the Purdue program. Uh, Brian Brahm is going to be the interim head coach for this team when it plays in the Citrus Bowl, but of course, you imagine there's a possibility that after that he's going to be joining his brother Jeff Brom in Louisville. So, if someone were to get this job for a full-time basis out of this staff, Mark Hagan seems to be the guy who could be the front runner. And He does have plenty of experience, if it's not experience head coaching throughout the country and in the Big Ten. Uh, This is a guy who has had two different stints at Purdue, went there, left, went there again, has been there as, again, the co-defensive coordinator for a little while now. He is from Indiana, 20 years of coaching experience in the Big Ten. So this is someone who's been around the block. If you're talking about guys who have that experience and have Purdue's trying to give someone a first head coaching shot, then I like this guy's chances. I'm not sure if that's exactly what the Boilermakers are trying to do right now. Partly because of, well, a guy like this last name, who I would normally not put in a range where Purdue could get him. But things are starting to change in college football in a way where this may be an attainable name for the Boilermakers. That's Chris Kleeman of Kansas State. Now, a couple of years ago, this is something that I don't think Purdue has any shot at. A coach who at Kansas State just won the Big 12. Upset TCU, didn't keep them out of the college football playoff, but upset TCU and keeps them from getting that conference championship. And has had now really good sustained success over there with the Wildcats. Uh, He has a better team with Kansas State right now. Arguably a better program than Purdue is. And if you're looking at it from just all of those points, there's no reason for him to leave a Kansas State to take a job at Purdue. But this is where we have to think about what exactly is changing in college football and the growth of the Big Ten and how that changes things. Purdue is not, at least a couple of years ago, a top college football job. Jeff Brom is doing his thing and doing it well. And Jeff Brom, as we now know, is able to leverage that into the job that he wants later on, which is something to say. But Purdue is not a marquee name out there in college football. But with the Big Ten getting bigger, and there being still only so many spots in the Big Ten for head coaching positions. Remember, the Big Ten might get to 16, 20 teams, but that's still only 20 people in the country who can hold Big Ten head coaching jobs. If you're in the Big 12 right now, a conference that's looking at potentially just accepting being a lower tier, I think everybody in the country who's not in the Big 10 or the SEC has to at least for a little moment think about the possibility of jumping ship and going to a Big 10 or SEC school. I mean, this is a Purdue school that isn't just some bottom-of-the-barrel team in the Big 10 anymore, of course, too. It won the Big 10 West. It made it to a Big 10 title game. And this school, I believe, is ready to bring sustained football success to West Lafayette. If it wants to do that, I believe now is the time. We've talked about this before. We've got a few years here where the SEC hasn't made its media deal yet, and the Big Ten's going to start getting this money from the deal it has, where the conference is going to have a clear advantage that it can flex over everybody else. When it comes to hiring, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to facilities, when it comes to everything. And this is the kind of job that we're talking about as really a litmus test of just how far that goes. Can it be that a school like Purdue is able to pull a guy like Chris Kleeman from Kansas State fresh off a Big 12 championship when Purdue, despite it making the Big 10 championship game, let's face it, is a four loss team? I don't know. But this is something that I think is one of the first tests we'll see of, okay, just how big can this get? How much better can Purdue do now that it has the Big Ten's money behind it in this new media rights deal and everything that's going along with the way that college sports are changing? NIL is a benefit to Big Ten schools. There is money in the Midwest for schools to be able to have an advantage on. I don't know what happens, but I think this hiring is one of those things where if Purdue plays it right, they can really, really shock some people and bring guys in that you wouldn't normally be able to get. I mean, Wisconsin, you could argue, already just done it. I don't think anyone was thinking that Luke Fickle was going to leave Cincinnati for the Badgers. But, hey, Wisconsin is a great program in one of these two big conferences now. So let's see what happens. I think that Purdue can take advantage of that can use it to bring in a guy that it wouldn't normally be able to get and that is where the big 10 has a chance right now to elevate itself and make sure everybody is able to eat here if you want ohio state and michigan to thrive they're going to no matter what bringing in usc and ucla that's only going to help them that much more if you want like the rutgers and the marylands and everybody else to prosper here You've got to help them out and stuff like this. And these schools have to take advantage of opportunities like this where Purdue has a chance to get a guy that a year ago, two years ago, you wouldn't even put in the conversation. That's the difference right now. And it's not going to be here forever. So the Boilers need to take advantage. I want to wrap things up by taking a look at the transfer portal here as it's gotten a little bit crazy to start off the season. I'm actually going to go down through every Big Ten team and just give some of the numbers and key facts on what we've already lost and gained from Big Ten teams. Right now, it's a lot of lost. There's a lot of people in the transfer portal. A lot of people are making decisions still. So just about everybody has some players that are gone. But let's just go from top to bottom here. Uh, Michigan, the Wolverines, Big Ten champions. Only have lost three players to the transfer portal so far. Of course, the big name being Cade McNamara. And they are getting offensive lineman Ladarius Henderson from Arizona State, already committed to the Wolverines too. Ohio State's losing four players. Safeties, Bryson Shaw and Jalen Johnson are the highlighted of that group. Penn State's losing five already, losing three different offensive linemen. Maryland is losing 13 players. We'll get to more on that in a second. Michigan State's losing seven, another big number. Indiana's losing 12 of them, three quarterbacks in that group, including Connor Bazelak and Jack Tuttle. Rutgers is losing seven, three wide receivers. Purdue's losing three. Illinois is losing two and bringing a linebacker back two, so not that bad for the Illini or Boilermakers. Minnesota's losing seven. Six of them are on the offensive side. Wisconsin's losing nine, of course, one of them being the quarterback, Graham Mertz. Nebraska's losing 13, another big number, and Northwestern's losing eight. And as I look at this, I I start to think about, okay, how much more quickly is this gonna happen this season? Because we've had the transfers before. We've had the COVID year, of course, to start things out. And then we had our first real kind of, I think, full cycle of being able to do things and figure out how things are working. And of course, the NIL had a big part to do with that too. Now we're kind of getting into our first settled down off season of doing this. We got the new rules, we changed things, things went crazy for a little while. Now I think is the first off season where we're going to start to see okay, how is this actually going to look like year in and year out? And I was surprised to see that we've got schools in the Big Ten. Losing numbers like Maryland losing 13, Indiana losing 12, Nebraska losing 13, Wisconsin losing 9, Northwestern losing 8, Rutgers and Michigan State losing 7. Those are big chunks of your roster. That's not a small percentage of the number of players that you're having out on that team. I mean, Maryland losing 13 players that are still eligible to play college football, that's a lot of your team. It's turning into, I mean, more of a pro kind of style of turnover here where you don't have a whole lot of the same guys going in and out. Now, I'll I'll be perfectly fair here in saying it's not like there's a huge, huge number of huge impact guys leaving. There are plenty and a big majority of players here on this list are guys who just were not playing all that much, didn't have the opportunity that maybe that is best for them. And I'm not saying that these are wrong moves. I'm just trying to wrap my head around what is going to happen as a result here. How quickly are these guys going to make decisions? Are we gonna have ourselves in another situation where we're in the middle of the summer and still not really sure what all the rosters are gonna look like? Because these deadlines for guys to make decisions don't come for a while. And I do think there's a little bit something different about the idea that you need a little more time if you're gonna be a football team to have these guys on campus and getting ready for a season. I won't weigh that much into that, but. I'm just saying that this is a different kind of landscape now that we're working with. And I'm very interested to see what it looks like now that the dust is settling, I guess. What's the year to year going to be? Are there going to be teams who are losing 15 players every season and having to try and regroup from that? I don't know. But the fact that it's not really slowing down in the Big Ten at all yet is at least a little bit surprising to me. I thought we would not have quite the same race for players to get out of programs as we had in the first couple of years of doing this, especially since players are out of, like, the COVID years and extra years that they've had. up. There's guys who are going to be going into, like, six seasons still, but they're not thinking of it as free time anymore. Yes, they get to play right away, but it's the idea that I think these players are not, I don't know, taking the opportunity to grow at their own school and being so willing to pull that trigger and leave. That's, I guess, what's a little bit more surprising to me. But hey, that's also the world we're living in in college sports right now. Players have that ability to go and say, hey, I think I can do this better somewhere else, and I'm going to try it. And that, I think, is the right move, even if there's a little bit too much swinging in run direction and some correction. We'll see. Those schools losing big numbers are going to end up regrouping and figuring out how to rebuild a roster. But at least for now, we got a whole lot of new turnaround coming, especially in some of those younger parts of the rosters in the Big Ten rosters. All right, let's take, again, a reminder and remind you that this has been Locked On Big Ten. We're trying to wrap up the show. Locked On Big Ten is brought to you every single weekday to let you know everything you need to from around the conference. I'm Nate Dickinson. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Nate with Sports and the show at Locked On Big Ten one zero at the end, not T E. Until tomorrow, when we're back with more here on Locked On Big Ten. I'm Nate Dickinson. We'll talk to you soon.